All right. <clears throat> Thank you for the songs today. The, the men, I almost called them boys. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm talking about the burger guys, right? The burger band that's feeding us after church. Uh, thank you. The songs have been tremendous, tremendous. Um, <clears throat> keep your Bibles open to Exodus. We're going to turn to one other portion of Scripture as we get into the message. And um, <clears throat> listen to the introduction. I'm going somewhere with this, and then we'll get there, and I'll make some, some applications. You know, <clears throat> you know my testimony, and I won't <clears throat> go over it, but <clears throat> I, didn't start <clears throat> going into, I didn't start going to church until I was 17, right before I turned 18. And before that I had only been into church a handful of times, maybe five, six times in my life. And so I was a brand new believer, you know, just excited about God. I didn't know much, um, and I was excited to be there. Uh, I'd go there, and I'd, I'd sit, and I, I, I didn't know. I, I noticed that some, that some people would have, like, their Bibles open. They'd be na- taking notes, and they'd have a, um, <clears throat> a marker. And so I thought, okay, they must be highlighting the verses that the pastor makes reference to. So I got myself a marker, and every time Pastor would make reference to a verse, I just you know, highlight that thing. And after about a month of that, I'm like, "Well, wait a minute! By the time I get done, I'm just highlighting the whole thing. I didn't get that they're highlighting verses that spoke to their heart, right? I just thought Pastor said it, highlight that thing, right? Um, but I was excited. I take notes. <coughs> I write down thoughts. If he said this, and 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 I just wanted to learn. I was so far behind the curve, and I love the experience of church. And by the way, I still do. I love listening to the singing, uh, those that sing, the, the choir, the specialist, uh, specialist, soloist, okay? Uh, I love singing the songs. I love the hymns, uh, just listening to them. And, and it didn't take me long of, of, of singing those songs. Eventually, I didn't even need a songbook. I just, I really got into it. I was very, very excited. And to be honest with you, I just wanted to be around people that were saved and in church a lot longer than I was. I had no clue what it meant to live as a Christian. Zero. Zip. And I got around some good people in church. People that encouraged me. But, and I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm going somewhere, so, so, so bear with me. <clears throat> but as I was there and going to church more and getting more involved, I, I started, I met some other people that were obviously struggling in their faith, and I'm not condemning them for that. Um, as a new Christian, though, it was kind of, it was kind of uh, concerning to me. I remember one time I went out on a Thursday. They would do Thursday uh, soul winning. <clears throat> They'd also visit people that maybe had missed church. And so I was new, and I went at it, and I went out with one of the adults there, and he had some, some contacts. He goes, here's some people that haven't been in church in a long time. And I'm like, I know them. I was in high school with them before I dropped out. These were people that used to, when I was in public school, they used to beg me to come to church with them. And they were no longer in church. And I remember I said, I know them, let's go talk to them. And I remember going to the house, and I knew the family, and I went in there, <coughs> and, and I think we were in the kitchen, and there was a couple of them there that I knew, and we were talking to them, and one of them that used to beg me to go to church, and the whole time I was there, they, they, they kept their eyes down. Didn't even acknowledge that we were there, because they had gotten away from God. I remember going to some of the things, and I remember <coughs> one of the men, I was working in a ministry with him outside in the parking lot, and he was an older gentleman. I'm a brand new believer, and he started talking about some things, and, and I'm like, first of all, I thought, man, do Christians talk like that? Are they supposed to? And then I was thinking, and if they do talk like that, should they be doing it on the property? 
remember going to a, 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 one of the guys that was my age, went to his house, and, and uh, I'm not trying to be critical here, but his mom was dressed in something, especially around guys, she should not have been dressed like. And there was a few people like that, and it, it caused me to think, you know, I, I was naive. I just thought, hey, go to church, everybody loves Jesus, okay? And by the way, I'm not saying that some people struggle. That's the point I'm making. But here's the point I had to, had to come to, and I, it was very easy for me. I had to choose to follow and learn from those who were not struggling in their faith. By the way, church is for everybody. I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical at all. Church is for everybody. And um, you're going to have some that are going through difficult times, and I get it. But I had chosen in my life, I wanted to be around those that would push me in a higher direction. And I didn't want to be let down by those who maybe weren't. I didn't want to sit there and, <coughs> and, and judge what I was doing by what the, some of those who were struggling in their faith were doing. I didn't want to be discouraged. By the way, that happens all the time. People go to a church and maybe they have a really bad experience at the church and somebody at the church does something wrong and that happens. I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't. It can happen. I know, I, I remember in the early days of the church, uh, uh, um, we, uh, when we first started the church, pastor, it started with pastor and I. After we were a brand new church. We started from scratch. The first couple years after every Sunday night service, him and I would go, to, go out to eat somewhere and we'd sit down. How did the day go? What are we doing in the church? Are there things we can do better? I remember we were having one of these meetings and there was a, and there was a, a girl there. That she goes, she, he goes, you guys are Christians, right? And she goes, I think I recognize you. And I was like, yeah, we, went to, we told her to college we went to. She goes, I went to that college and graduated from there too. And, and pastor said, oh, what church do you go to? She goes, I don't go to church anymore. And we're like, why? She goes, after I got out of college, I was working at a ministry, and she mentioned some other state. She said, the pastor ran off of the secretary. I ain't going to church anymore. Now, look, things like that happen. I wish they didn't. But the thing is, we have to choose who we're going to follow after. And in the church I went to, there was a handful of people that caused me to be confused. But can I just tell you something? There was a lot more people that encouraged me. Uh, there, was the, there was two different families, Jones families, and I was a young guy, and they had their own kids, and like, some of them my age, and they would take me in, and they would encourage me. I told you about the assistant pastor, Brother Sis, and how he would spend time with me. He'd come play, he knew I liked basketball. He'd come play basketball, not just because he wanted to play basketball and win, although I could not beat that guy, but just to spend some time and encourage me. And I can name family after family in the family in the church, but I had to choose to follow the right people. Here's the point. <clears throat> we need to judge Christianity by Christ and not just by Christians. When somebody judges Christianity by Christians, they can use that if they're not careful as an excuse to quit serving God or to be discouraged. Right? You ever hear something? Well, if that's what Christians are like. I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's a very sad statement to me. Because not all Christians are like that. I wish we were all spot on and never had a problem, but that's not reality, is it? Now, what is it? now let's get to the text. Moses had received the Ten Commandments. He had already received them. And the problem was, <coughs> as Moses was up on the mount getting the Ten Commandments, the people down from the mount were breaking each and every one of them already. And so you know the story. Moses comes down and he's irritated and he's upset and he breaks the tablets. So in chapter number 34, God calls Moses back up. He's going to give him the, he's going to give him the commandments again to take them down to the people. 
But as Moses comes down off of the mount with the new Ten Commandments, something interesting happens. His face is shining. At first, it caused the people to fear him so that, you know, he's trying to have them come near to talk to him, and they're afraid because he's shining. By the way, that's because he had been near the Lord, of course. So he has to put a veil on his face to hide that glory so the people would come. Now, he would take it off when he went back in to see the Lord. Now, <clears throat> turn over to 2 Corinthians. The story is mentioned in the New Testament. Now, this is all introduction. The introduction is a little bit longer, and then we'll, 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 we'll hit it. <clears throat> but I want us to understand where I'm going tonight. I want to encourage us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12, and then we'll be going back to Exodus after that, so you might want to keep your finger there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 goes, Seeing then that we have such a hope, <clears throat> we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with, done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, <clears throat> the veil is upon their heart. <clears throat> Excuse me, you remember this morning we talked about the importance of the heart. Nevertheless, when it, their heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We'll read the next verse in a minute. So as Moses is, as Paul is referencing this story in the New Testament, he applies it three ways. He says that Moses veil, uh, used the veil to hide the fading of the glory. That was part of it, that one day he knew that glory was going to go, and he didn't want to see them, he didn't want them to see as part of the issue the glory fade away. Just like as one, and he applies to the fact that one day the law is going to fade away and give place to Christ. He is the fulfillment of the law. He also applied it, secondly, that the hearts of the Jews are veiled to the truth of Christ, the fulfillment of the law, but one day that veil is going to be taken away and they are going to come back to the Lord. By the way, God's not done with Israel. And if you're wrong on Israel, you're going to be wrong on eschatology. You're going to be wrong on when the Lord's coming. Anybody that says, well, the rapture is anywhere other than before the tribulation, that's because they believe that God is done with Israel and the church has replaced Israel. You're going to have a real hard time proving that from the Bible. But the third lesson is this, <clears throat> that as Moses saw the Lord's glory and it was evident, so too did Christians see the glory of the Lord in the scriptures and are changed into what they are seeing. Look at verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you understand when we look into the Word of God, we're seeing the glory of the Lord and if we will let it get into our hearts, we will be changed into becoming what the Bible is telling us to become, what we are seeing in the Bible. And the Spirit of God will do that in us. And if that happens, now here's where we're going. Just like Moses' shining of his face was evident to everybody around him, so too will the glory of the Lord be evident to those that come into contact with us. There will be something different. They will know that the Lord is alive by what we are doing. 
Like I said earlier, <coughs> we are to judge Christianity by Christ and not by other Christians. Now that is super important when it comes to the loss, but let me just say that. It is just as important to those who are saved as well. We talk about a testimony to the lost, but you know what? We're also a testimony to those who have been saved. Now, as I said, we judge Christianity by Christ. Let me balance it with this. It is, not our, respons it is our responsibility to not give anybody a reason not to follow Christ or <clears throat> receive him or derail new believers from their life of faith in Christ. That's the big point. You see, in any church, there are people at all different levels of Christianity. There are those who are mature. You've been saved for a while, and <clears throat> although we're not perfect, amen, we said that this morning, the word of God is bearing fruit in our lives, is bearing fruit in your lives. And you have grown to a, a place of maturity in Christ. There are those who are babes in Christ. They're newly saved. And God is starting to work in their life, and they're desiring the sincere milk of the word. There are those who are progressing. We are all at different levels on the progression scale. We all need to be progressing, but some are at the, at the beginning stages of it. Some are at the middle stages of it. Some are farther down the road than others, but they are progressing. But unfortunately, there are some who may be regressing. They may be less in their Christian walk and in their faith today than they were at another time in their life. And when that happens, they can get to the point where there are some who are resisting. They're getting to the point like, like uh, where, where the, the word of God, as we mentioned this morning, it's, it's being choked out by things of this world, the cares of this world. The first three of these groups are fine, those who are mature, those who are babes, and, and those who are progressing. It is the last two groups that can be a hindrance and a threat to the second and third group. Those who are babes and those who are progressing. Moses' shining face was a testament to others about God's glory. So should our life. But my question is this. <clears throat> when people see you, when people see me, when people see your life, when people see my life, what, does, what do they notice about God? What do they notice about the Lord? I want us to see tonight... I want to answer three questions about God's glory in our life with the backdrop of we need to be a testimony, a good testimony, not to those, just to those who are saved, unsaved, but those who are saved as well. First of all, when it comes to God's glory in our lives, what should be easily observed about God's glory? In other words, if I'm a Christian that loves God and it's evident in the way that I live, what kind of things are going to shine out? Turn back to Exodus, please, and look at verse 28. <clears throat> the obvious thing that it should show is that we have been with God. That should be the obvious thing. How come Moses' face shone in the first day? Because verse 28, <clears throat> he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote the table on the, upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the, the, the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. What, look, they did not have to ask, what have you been doing, Moses? They saw his face, and they saw the shine on his face, and it was obvious to them that he 
had been with God. What about us? If someone was, was with us, what, and they weighed the evidence of our lives. Again, I'm not saying we're perfect. Nobody is. But as they weigh the evidence of our life, would they come more to the conclusion that we do spend time with God? Or would they come to the conclusion like, does this person even know God? And by the way, we're not spending time with God to put up some type of false facade. I'm not into that either. It's like, it's like I don't think we should be spiritual used car salesmen. You ever go buy a car? Hey, your children are lovely. Look, they, if they didn't look lovely, he's going to say that. He's just saying whatever he can to seal the deal. But I'm just saying it'll be obvious to everybody that you're spending time with God. You're only going to have God's glory when you spend time, time with You can't manufacture it. You cannot fake it. <clears throat> and let me say this. <clears throat> I'm not trying to be negative, but I am trying to be truthful. If we're living a life that is a terrible example of what a Christian should be, let me just say this, it's an obvious expression to everybody that you're not spending time with God. That's it. See, people are going to judge Christianity. That's what Christianity is all about. No, it isn't. It's what the problem that person has. They're not spending time with God. It doesn't mean nobody spends time with God. People try to use the Bible sometimes to justify an unholy life, and they ignorantly apply it. And then they'll tell you this. Here we go. Thou shalt not judge. Judge not. I'm not judging you. Judging you is judging your motives. But listen, if I tell you something the Bible says that we're supposed to do, all of us, including me, that's not judging. That's called truth. And we all need to be on board with it. But we justify that type of life and say, I am under grace. Why the world looks at us and says, they're not legitimate. Why should I follow Christ? We have to be very, very careful. <clears throat> I guarantee you this. Moses was up there for 40 days. What if we just gave God 30 minutes a day? You, try that. Try just spending some time with God. You'd be amazed. When you, look, <clears throat> and I get it. <laughs> you know, Moses, the first time, spent time with God. He had such a wonderful experience. He comes down from the mount. And they're having a godless party. I mean, it's like, come on. I just had a great time with God, and look what I got to deal with. <clears throat> I'll tell you this, though. If you spend time with God, the stuff you have to deal with, it's a lot easier to deal with. Because you're doing it with God's help. But it's obvious. There's another thing <clears throat> that's obvious about God's glory. It's that you're on a mission. Verse 31 God told him, take this down to the people. Verse 31, and Moses called unto them and Aaron and to the rulers of the congregation and returned unto him and Moses talked with them and afterwards all the children of Israel came nigh and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken unto him in Mount Sinai. That's why Moses was up there in the first place. God had a mission for him. Get these commandments and take them and give them to the people. And they noticed he's on a mission. He is doing something that God wants him to do. By the way, all, all business, well, you have a mission statement, you know, this or that. And I know we have what we, what we follow here. It's basically tied into the Great Commission. But, you know, every success, you got to have a mission. Okay, what's your mission? What are you doing in life? See, some of us, our life gets so tied up, as we mentioned this morning with the cares of the world, it could be something as simple as you're just all caught up in, in what you're trying to do for a career to the point that you set God to the side. 
And by the way, if you have a career, be the best at it. Right? I mean, if you're working somewhere, be the best employee. Whenever I work somewhere, I'm like, listen, if they're giving out raises, I'll, I'll get them. I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be dishonest or deceitful or put God on the back seat, but I'm going to work hard. But don't put that ahead of God. By the way, some of you young folks, that's what you're doing. I'll go into Bible college and I'll go for one semester, maybe two, and I'm not even going to take the classes. I'm going to take the, um, um, what is it called? I'm going to audit the classes. You're not even giving God a chance. You're doing your own thing. Well, I don't want to waste several years. I'm just talking singles for right now. We'll be good. I don't want to waste several years in college. Oh, you mean learning things about God? Learning things about serving him? Well, I'm not going to serve him full time in my life. So you're not going to help out in a church? I think everybody in church ought to serve. But see, you're not even giving God a chance. You got your own thing going on. Back to the regularly scheduled message. But we got to have a mission from God. We got to get the gospel out. I hope you help us with the Easter I mean, I'm, I'm under the gun now. We got 20,000 Easter tracks, and I don't know how many, I, I, how many of those, those Filipino invitations for the anniversaries I got, but there's five boxes on my desk. I text Jazz. She never got back. How many did I order? Like, is this for the next two years? What's going on here? But we're going to get those out. Listen, help us reach people. Have a mission. Follow God's will for your life. Quit listening to your friends. Quit listening to the world. What does God want you to do? And glorify God in everything you do. God doesn't want a portion of your life. He wants it all. Now, when it comes to having a mission for God, here's your options. You ready? Obey it. Disobey it. That's it. <clears throat> but <clears throat> let's make sure we're not detoured by the mission of this world. <clears throat> and then lastly, the thing that they can notice about God's glory is that he's heard the word. God said, come up to the mountain. I'm going I'm I'm to give you my word again. You know, when you hear God's word and you have the heart that wants to bear fruit, people are going to see that. They're going to say, what's going on in your life? Why is your, why is your life different? You know why? Because I'm trying to the best of my ability to let God do something and for his word to bear fruit in my life. Secondly, <clears throat> what should be expected in obtaining God's glory? What should be expected? In other words, how are we going to get this glory that Moses got? Well, I will notice this, that you get it alone. <clears throat> Verse 3, when God told him to come to the mountain, he goes, and no man shall come with me, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mountain. He goes, last time you got Joshua got to come up part way with you, and then you were by yourself this time, he ain't even coming. Okay, and now maybe that was God trying to say, hey, <laughs> Joshua needs to be down there to keep people in line. It didn't go so well last time. But he said, you get up here alone. See, here's what we do. We are very, very peer-driven. We look around and see what our friends are doing. And by the way, I'm not saying we shouldn't love our friends, but they shouldn't drive our life. Our life should be driven by Christ. Our life should be driven by his word. And, and, <clears throat> and although we have a good-sized church and we have a lot of people here that are into serving Christ with you, in this world, that's not how it works. The world's not going to be excited about you serving Christ. It's not. And by the way, that's why we need to serve Christ, because we need to go to the world and share the good news of the gospel. But, but if we're looking for something to be popular, that's why people don't want to answer questions on television. Hey, what do you believe about this? And it's like, you know, they're just trying to trip, trip people up, because it's not popular to stand for the truth. But we have to get it alone. Let us quit being so peer-driven. <clears throat> Let us quit being so society-accepting. 
it nauseates me the way Christianity is reading the newspaper and trying to bring that stuff into the church. How a pastor can even remotely justify abortion is beyond measure to me. Okay, I'm going to say, anybody that claims to be a pastor, and I've seen the stories, and they think abortion's okay, I doubt their salvation seriously. They're a false prophet. They're against traditional, all the stuff. Well, the Bible's clear. You know why? Because society has changed. And maybe society has changed because Christians are willing to change along with it. We, society, you know what? You know what? Look, the world brings emptiness. And they're looking for something. I, when I walked into church, I was looking for something. I didn't want to go into church and have the same thing I was living before. I wanted something completely different. And thank God I found a church that was different. We get it alone. <clears throat> Living for God is not popular. Noah didn't have much help. He had his family. Elijah didn't have hardly any prophets following. He thought he was only one. Paul, you read Paul and Timothy, says, uh, these, a bunch of these guys, they forsook me. I'm here by myself. Hezekiah, when Hezekiah took over the kingdom, it was pagan and the temple was closed, was closed and his father and grandfather before him were horrific and the first thing he did was said, temple's open for business, let's go. But he was by himself. Let's just serve God. Not only do we get it alone, we get it from God. Verse 29, where did Moses get it? Coming down from the mount. And we already mentioned that. It's evident that we're spending time with God. You, have you ever heard someone talk about burnout? Man, I used to serve God, and I just burned out. I don't think anybody burns out for God, but I think they run out of fuel, right? I have, I want to say this, I don't want to know I'm lying. I haven't had any of our cars catch fire. Now, sure enough, tonight. And don't you go set it on fire just to prove me wrong. I helped Pastor Black one time fix a bus at Gethsemane when I was a young person, and we, we caught the bus engine on fire. I don't think we knew what we were doing. But, um, but you know what? <coughs> because I have girls in my house, I've had cars run out of gas. I've never run out of gas. I don't do that. The only time I ran out of gas is I had to go somewhere. We had like three cars. Only one was left. I got in the car, and I'm like, I got to go. And it said, zero miles to empty. And I thought, well, the gas station's like a mile away. I'm pretty sure I can get there. You know what? When it said zero miles to empty, you know what it meant? Zero miles to empty. I went like three blocks, and I'm like, yep, there we go. That's what happens. We don't burn out. We just don't, we run out of fuel. We're not spending time with God. We're not allowing God to work. And then lastly, we get it naturally. The end of verse 29, it says this. Moses wist not that his face, the skin of his face shone. Moses didn't even know that happened. It was just natural. We've been teaching on Thursday night about the fruit of the Spirit. What did we say about that? That happens naturally as we spend time with God and we allow him to change us. It's a result of a healthy relationship with God. You, you, look, we don't have to fake who we are to get people to see Christ. Let's just be who we are, but just, just be, let's just be legitimate Christians. Let's just try to live God's word. You don't have to change your voice into, you know, spiritual voice. Brother, well, let me talk to you, brother. Is that how you talk to your wife? Well, sister, come over here. Let me talk to you. I've tried it. It doesn't go over with my wife. See, she'll go, honey. I'm like, no, no. That's pastor, honey, Okay. 
She says, whatever, okay. But it's natural. If we will just seek God, you will be different. And then lastly, we'll be done. What should be eluded that would obscure God's glory? In other words, what things should we avoid that would diminish God's glory in our life or outright destroy it and in the process be a bad testimony? Here it is. First of all, a falling testimony. Let me read this first in Proverbs. You can write it down. You can turn over there if you want. A, Proverbs 25, 26. <clears throat> a righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. Did you catch that? It says when a person who's a Christian falls down, it's talking about the lifestyle that they live and getting into some horrendous thing or doing something that is just against the word of God, bad fountain, corrupt spring. What does that mean? That means it makes the source look bad. It makes the source of the what should be fresh water look bad. So what happens is when we do those kind of things, what we're telling the world is Christ doesn't do what we say that he does. In essence, you know what we're doing? We're perpetuating fake news. Because the Bible tells us in John 14, 6, <clears throat> I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But when we fall before the eyes, we're denying each one of those. What we're telling the world by our life is that Jesus is not the right way, Jesus is not the right truth, and Jesus is not the right life. None of those things are true, by the way. But someone may think it's true. Do you understand we all look, how, how many understand we all look for excuses? Right? Okay? Ask your child. They don't do something. All right? They all look, how come you didn't do that? I asked you to. They'll give you 20 excuses. No, they're always, and you know what? People are like that too. <clears throat> Well, what about Christ? Oh, I knew this person that did that. <clears throat> I knew this, and it can't be true because of this or because of that, and we don't want to do that. And not only is it a falling testimony, it's a failing testimony. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 9 to 11. Brother Gray talked a little bit about this in depth in our singles retreat. He said, but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. I know, I understand the context here. He's talking about meat that was offered to idols. <coughs> they would offer this meat to idols, and then on the backside, they would take that meat that was offered to idols, and they would sell it at a discounted price. And uh, Christians are like, hey, I'll go get this meat at a discounted price. And they're like, an idol is false. It's nothing in the world anyhow. It's just meat. But they're, <laughs> hey, I got you. That, by the way, let me stop here for a commercial. The Baptist Bacon Brothers are going to be selling hamburgers after church. Okay. <laughs> Back to the message. By the way, I get a free burger for that. Um, <coughs> and so, but new Christians were saying, wait a minute. You know, new Christian is like, hey, wait a minute. That, that's, that was meat offered to an idol. We can't eat that. And Paul's making the thing like, look, if you have the liberty you feel to eat that meat because you know it's nothing, but it bothers your brother, don't do it. Verse 10, <coughs> or sneak it home in a bag. <laughs> For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, in other words, somebody that, that's a more mature Christian, sit at meat in the idol's temple, that's even higher degree, shall not the conscience of him that is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? In other words, if this person thinks some, eating something offered to an idol is bad, and he sees you do it openly, 
kind of sounds like he's at the table there. It goes, it emboldened them, them to eat it, but they're eating it with the idea it's wrong and I'm going to do it anyhow because other Christians are doing it. Do you understand the difference there? And then he says this, verse 11. <coughs> and through thy knowledge, what? That it's just meat. Shall the weaker brother perish for whom Christ died? He said, you may have done something that you feel is not sin, but the way you did it caused someone who's weaker to stumble and to fall. Now, brethren, here's the point. If it's like that with something that's gray like that, something that's not, how, is, how more so is it if it comes to doing something we know is wrong? We've got to be very careful. Our church, we have, there's a lot of you, you're new. You've been in here and you've only been coming the last six months. <coughs> and if we're not careful, some new Christian who is sloppy in their faith hurts people like that. You're sending the message out, that's how Christians live when that's not how Christians live. Come on now. See, we, we tend to think of a testimony for the Lord as being just before the unsaved. By the way, that's true, but that's a cop out. Because most of the time you're hanging around with people who are saved. And it ought not to be that way. A new, look, if some new teenager comes into our school, I hope that he's excited to be around Christians and, not, and be in a school system where they're going to teach you the Bible and they're going to live for God, not be hanging around somebody that's sneaking around the rules. Let's get a little pointed here. Some new single comes into our singles group and they're excited about God and you're spitting on their fire with the way that you live. If you want to live that way, that's fine, but let's not ruin somebody else. That's the point. Let's be a good testimony. By the way, some of you, you grew up in church. I wish I would have grown up in church. Well, you got to live in the world for 17 years. I get it. And you know what I got out of that? Nothing. It was empty. I had no, no look to the future. Nothing good about it. I was so glad when I came into church. And I couldn't understand it when I'd hang around with people my age and I'd hear them talking. And they grew up in church and I'd hear them talking about going to the world. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I wasn't real quiet. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I couldn't get out of the world fast enough. Why in the world would you want to go? I didn't allow that to trip me up. But you know what? Maybe there were others that were. Let's be, let's encourage each other. What does Hebrews tell us? We come to church to provoke unto, provoke unto love and good works. And by the way, I'm thankful we have that. But let's, not, let's, let's be a testimony to each other. Let's be an encouragement to each other as we are to the world. <clears throat> and as I finish, let me just say a couple things. If you've been saved for a while, here's your options. Your life can help new believers or your life can hinder new believers. If you're a new Christian, your options are this. You can be helped by stronger Christians or you can be hindered by struggling Christians. What's my advice to both groups? To those who have been saved a while, be a testimony to other believers, not just to, to believers, not just unbelievers. Let, let's, look, someone comes in, you've been in, in church for five, five years, four or five years, they ought to look to you and say, not that you're perfect, none of us are, but like, that's an example of how a Christian should live. That's what I want in my life. And to those who are new and growing believers, don't be hindered by other believers. We all have struggles. 
If you're going to throw out <coughs> the truth because people struggle, don't read about King David. You might as well throw the Bible out because King David did some bad things. Quit reading Proverbs. Solomon messed up at the end of his life. That's not how it works. God is faithful and God is true. And let's encourage one another with our lives. Let's stand together if we may, just for a minute. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <coughs> I'm glad we have a church that for the most part fulfills this. We're trying to provoke one another to love and good works. And by the way, <coughs> we all have struggles. And I'm not saying if you're having str struggles, give, give in, okay? You know what you do when you have struggles? Get with those who are stronger and let them help you get to where you need to be. Okay, now, all of us have had times in our life when it's just like we, we go through a cold spell or whatever. Look at, don't give up. Get around those. <coughs> Maybe some of you are struggling. For the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of this lost world, and for the sake of fellow believers, let's live for Christ. Let's set a good example. Let, let's have a good testimony. Let people see us, not because we're being fake, and just because we're trying to be sincere and we're trying to be genuine, let us see that and say, I want some of that in my life. I want some of that. I had to look to people in the church and like, I needed help. I needed encouragement. I found some that were there to help me. There to help me. But let's make sure we don't derail someone's faith. <coughs> Altar's open. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you come? Maybe you're here tonight and maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. You're not 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. I got good news. You can find that out tonight. If you're here with nobody looking around, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not 100% for sure that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. But that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just briefly raise your hand and put it down until I see you?